Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you're with us today. Uh, we've been in a, a little bit of a, a, a opportunity here as we first come into this facility to kind of give you the heart of, of who we are and what we're about. And over the last couple of weeks, we've We've been kind of laying that out, and so the first week I talked about my prayer for every single person. In case you missed it, I encourage you to go back online and check it out. And, and last week we talked about how my prayer for you would be that you would be living courageously. And today I really want to talk to you about what I believe for our church, uh, what we're about, what I believe is God's heart for his church and this house, Coastal Community Church. And so if you're a guest here today, I want to tell you that you, you picked a great weekend to be with us and hang out with us and experience what I believe God is trying to do here today. In fact, if you're a guest, uh, you're going to really hear my heart here more than anything today because uh, I, I believe that God wants to fill this house. And so uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 22. If you want to turn to your Bibles there, if you don't have a Bible on your, every seat, there was a, 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 a set of notes that you can follow along on scripture there, or you can just take a look at the screen. We'd love for you to follow along. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says this, Jesus responded by still telling more stories. He said, God's kingdom is like a king who threw a wedding banquet for his son. He sent out servants to call in all the invited guests, and they wouldn't come. He sent out another round of servants, instructing them to tell the guests, look, everything is on the table. The prom rib is ready for carving. I don't know about you, but anytime there's prom rib at a party, that's a good party, isn't it? I, I, just a quick poll, how many of y'all would rather have some prime rib for Thanksgiving than turkey? Come on, somebody, right there. That is such, like, let's get rid of that tryptophan turkey, make you tired. Let's eat some, some uh, prime rib with some au jus. That, that's a party I want to go to. Anyways, he said, come to the feast. They only shrugged their shoulders and went off. One to weed his garden, another to work in a shop. Basically, they have better things to go and do. He said, the rest, with nothing better to do, Beat up on the messengers and then killed them. I'm telling you, some of y'all just need to read the Bible. It is better than days of our lives, I promise you. Well, I don't have anything else better to do today. I'm going to just go kill some people. That's what they said. It says, the king was outraged and sent his soldiers to destroy those thugs and level their city. Then he told his servants, we have a wedding banquet all prepared, but no guests. The ones I invited weren't up to it. Go out into the busiest intersections in town and invite anyone you find to the banquet. The servants went out on the streets and rounded up everyone they laid eyes on, good and bad, regardless. And so the banquet was on in every place filled. And so Jesus right here is talking about the kingdom of God. And the father in this story is God. And the son who is the, the banquet is for is referring to Jesus. And the banquet is actually referring to the church, God's house. And he's saying, hey, listen, so what I did is I invited people to come in the house. And, and the first group of people, they were just too busy. They were out detailing their cars. They had a barbecue to go to. They maybe had a, a golf uh, appointment. Something was going on, and they were just too busy in life. Then he invited another group. They weren't having none of it. In fact, they killed some people. And so finally, the, the, the master God says to the servants, the, the people of God, he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out to the busiest places, and I want you to invite everyone, the good 
and the bad regardless. Like, I, I, I want my house to be filled. Doesn't matter where they've been. Doesn't matter what they've done. Doesn't matter what they've said. I want my house to be filled. And so I want to talk to you today about what I want God to fill this house with, Coastal Community Church specifically. And I believe that it's totally in line with scripture. And that as you hear it, you're probably not going to like it, but that's okay. Because we're not here to just get things we like. We're here to get things that help us in life. And so three things that are kind of my prayer of what God would fill this house with as we move forward. The first one is this, if you're taking notes, fill this house with broken people. Fill this house with broken people. I know when it comes to church, sometimes in church, we want safe church. We want cookie cutter church. We want a church where everybody's marriage is put together. We want a church where everybody's kids act a certain way. We want a church where everybody believes the same things and says the same things that we say, where everybody knows to act right, do right, be right. But that isn't the kind of church that Jesus is trying to build. He says, go invite everyone. He says, go invite anyone good or bad regardless of their situation and so he says go get broken people and I've learned that brokenness and broken people are everywhere brokenness is not just uh, determined by a certain lifestyle or or a certain zip code that people live in brokenness trans transcends everything I know people that are are married and are still broken I know people that are are, are, are are white that are broken. I know people that are black that are broken. I know people that are Brazilian. I know people that are Hispanic. I know people that are Asian that are all broken. Brokenness isn't limited to an age. Brokenness is not limited to only rich people or poor people. It can, you can be 12 and you can be 75 and still be broken because brokenness is not prejudice. It has no prejudice and brokenness finds all kinds of people. And the truth is, is there are a lot more broken people than there are fixed people in this world. And so, so you don't really have to look too far to find brokenness. And so Jesus says, hey, everyone you lay eyes on, invite them to the party. Because basically Jesus knows that virtually every single person has some brokenness in your life. See, when you're broken, you're broke. I know some of you are like, duh, Pastor TJ, yeah, that makes sense. But what I mean by that is when you're, when you're broken, you're lacking a, a, a currency in so, some aspect of your life. Basically, you're bankrupt in some aspect or form or fashion of your life. And so you're, there's a lack that is happening there. And some of us, we, we look at our life and, and a lot of people, they're, they're, they're broke purposefully. They're broke on their purpose in life. And so they're going through life and they're, they're trying to seek out purpose. And they think, well, if I could just get that job, then I would have purpose. If I could just drive that car, then I would have purpose. If I, if I could just marry that person, and then my life would have purpose. And I think, well, if I move over there, I'll find purpose. And what they find is they do all those things, that there's still no purpose to their life, and their purpose broke. It's a very defeating thing. Some people are joy broke, meaning there is no joy in their life. Their happiness has been zapped in their life, and they try to have joy, and they try to fake it. And as much as they fake it, they go to the place, and they act like they're having a good time. But when the time is done, there is no good to it. 
And so when chaos hits, when crisis hits, they're zapped of their joy in life because it doesn't matter how many things or how much stuff you've acquired, that is not the determination of joy and happiness in your life. Some people are, are, are family broke. And, and what I mean by that is, is, is you can have a mom and a dad and 17 brothers and sisters and not even know your family broke. And I didn't realize that I was family broke until I actually found a relationship with Christ. I, I came to church and I started finding this family that I didn't have in my biological family that all of a sudden I started having in my church family. It started changing and transforming me. And I was like, man, there is this part of life that I've been missing that I didn't even realize because I was family broke. Some of you, you're, you're sober broken. What that means is that you're not sober. You know, you're out there in life and you're trying to fill some voids in your life with something that you think will fill that aspect. But after that thing has been consumed, you're still empty. Sober broke. Some of us are peace broke. You don't have any peace in your life. You walk around anxious in every single situation. You're worrying and you're afraid and you're fearful thinking that the worst is going to happen in a life, and, and you don't have a clue how to escape that. And so when you break brokenness down, brokenness can happen in a family that's been married for 25 years and lives in a great neighborhood. Brokenness can happen with the business owner that looks successful on the outside, but inside is dying. You can be broke and go to church every single week. You can be broke and, and, and live in the right neighborhood. You don't have to be a gangbanger hooked on crack cocaine just to be broke. You don't have to be low to be broken. In fact, I know there's a lot of people that feel like they're elite and they're broken. You don't have to have a mental illness to be broken. I know a lot of people with the right mind that are still broken in life. Because when you're broken, it means you're broke. And when you're broke, you are in something. As a preacher, I, I really wish that Broken was spelled a little bit differently. I wish it was spelled how it sounds. B-R-O-K-E-N is how it sounds. But how I like to say it is broke in. So it's like B-R-O-K-I-N. So we're going to go with sounds today as I'm preaching. See, when you're broke in, you're actually in something. You're in a mess in your life. You're in an affair in your life. You're in debt in your life. You're in anger in your life. You're in something that you don't know how to get yourself out of it because you are broken. And so when I talk about brokenness and I say, God, I want I want you to fill this house with broken people. It's like, man, that sounds really good. But what you got to understand is what brokenness brings into this house. Because it's going to bring something with it. Because when you invite broken people in your house, what that means is the people that aren't bankrupt, that are full, are going to have to give of themselves to help people that are broken. Because those of us with currency... Not only have to give of ourselves, but we got to realize that there are some dysfunctions that come with those people. And we can't expect broken people to all of a sudden abracadabra put their lives back together again. It took some time for some people to get into something. It's going to take some time for them to work their way out of something. And so we've got to be a place where we allow people to do that. And I know some people are thinking, well, well, I don't want that kind of church. Listen, there's still time for you to get to that service at another church. Because at this church, we want broken people, and broken people are messy. Broken people come in with problems. Broken people create some things that we're not always prepared for. It's like when, when, when you break a glass at your house, 
You don't walk around barefoot with broken, with broken glass, do you? No. You don't, you don't let your kids play in the kitchen with broken glass on the ground. At least I hope you don't. Right? No, no. you got to realize that there are some things there. And this is where it gets confusing because you could walk into a church like ours and go, I can't believe they let that kind of person do that. Well, that's because we're about broken people. In fact, we have a saying on our wall where it says, everyone's welcome. That's why we let you in. <laughs> because nobody's perfect, including myself. And because that's the case, we believe with God anything's possible. And we believe that God can transform our broken, brokenness. But a lot of times brokenness doesn't get fixed overnight, does it? And so... I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, and there's, there's other churches you can be a part of, but that's not the norm. But for this house, we're praying that this house would be full to the brim. And can I just tell you something, 1130? Listen, there are empty seats here. If we're about what Jesus said, there should not be an empty seat in this house. I'm for real. Listen, we, we, can, we can play church, or we can be the church. Because Jesus is basically calling, throwing down the gauntlet and going, what are you doing? Are we really out there talking up God or are we just like, ain't nobody got time for that? I got, I'm busy. I got to shine my wheels. I got to do my thing. Or are we like, hey, listen, every person we lie eyes on, we have got to invite them. Because, listen, I can go right down the street right now, right down University, down to Sample Road, and we will see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of cars pass by, which means that there are thousands upon thousands of thousands of broken people that God wants to fix their life. And if it mattered that much to God that he's like, man, I'm going to send them, go invite everyone, it should matter that much to us. Listen, we shouldn't get comfortable because we're like, well, Pastor Teacher, I got a seat. That isn't a good excuse. In fact, I told our church before we ever moved in this building, hey, those weeks when people show up, there's all those people showing up, I want you to give up your seat. And they're all like, yeah, we're all about giving up our seat. Why? Because we're about broken people. And so we're, we're saying, God, man, fill this house with broken people. And it's going to get messy, but we invite the mess because that's how Jesus rolled, in case you didn't know this. If you were to look at Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is about to educate you right here. In um, verse 10, it says, Later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined him. That's, that's the good and the bad. He said, when the Pharisees or the religious people saw him coming with this and keeping this kind of company... They had a fit and lit into Jesus and said, what kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? I love that word, riffraff. That's just an awesome word. It doesn't have a T there at the end, but I'll say it that way, so it's good. Jesus overhearing this shot back, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? And listen, church, I'm determined 
to turn Coastal Community Church into a hospital. We are going to be a place where the lost and the hurting and the broken people of this world can come to a safe haven to get healed and whole. That is what we are about as a church. And, and, and listen, it's going to get uncomfortable at times for us, and the parking lot's going to be full, and it's going to be inconvenient because somebody's sitting in your seat. But that's who Jesus said, go and get. And so that is who we're after because that's the kind of church that Jesus is trying to build. And I'm praying, God, fill this house. And so if you're here today and you're broken, welcome home. Man, we love you here in this church. Yeah, come on. Man, we love you here. You're welcome here. We're not here to point out your problems. We're here to help you with your problems. We're here to help you put your life back together. And I love, I love Jesus because Jesus just messes with me. And he messes with people because the next verse, he lays down the law. He like throws down the gauntlet to the religious people in verse 13. He says, go figure out what scripture means. He's like, man, I'm just, I'm just going to lay it down. I'm going to throw it out there. Check this out. He says, I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. I wonder what Jesus would call us each individually. Would he say that mercy is so following your life that you're inviting outsiders continuously? Or would he say that you're a religious person that just wants to be coddled and do your weekly routine and and make it about that. Would he say your life is patterned in such a way that broken people matter to you because they matter to God? And that you would go out of your way to help them and invite them into this incredible relationship that can transform their life? Or would he look at your life and say your life is patterned in such a way so that you're comfortable and you do your weekly religion and you sing your songs and you hear your message and then you get in your luxury car and you drive back in your gated neighborhood so that you can avoid the brokenness of this world. And that's what Jesus throws down on them. Like, get on Jesus. Because they like Jesus' presence. That's why they're there. They just didn't like who else he was inviting into his presence. So God filled this house with broken people. It leads me to my second thing. God filled this house with people who would do anything to help broken people. God filled this house with people who would do anything to help broken people. People who will love because if you're going to help broken people, man, you've got to be moved with compassion in life because broken people will hurt people. That means you've got to love and you've got to love people that don't look like you, that don't act like you, that don't talk like you. People who would do some things that would actually enrage you in life and you've got to have this heart of compassion that looks beyond their hurt and all their pain and go, you know what? I'm dealing with broken people so I'm just going to love them in spite of their brokenness. Because broken people will hurt you. Not too long ago, we had some people over at our house, and, and they were in our kitchen. They were drinking a drink, and it slipped out of their hand, and, and a glass fell on the floor, and it broke. 
And I went and grabbed the broom and I started getting the dustpan and I started sweeping it up and I started picking up some of the broken pieces. And can you believe it? One of those broken pieces cut me. Like I didn't drop that glass. I didn't do anything to do that, but what happens is, is, is you get around broken people, and you go, man, hey, I want to love you, but they don't know what love looks like, so they're going to hurt you. Hey, I'm trying to befriend you, but they've never had a friend before, so they don't know how to react to that. Hey, I'm here to, to inspire you. Well, they've never been inspired before, so what do they naturally do? They do what they've known all their life, and that is hurt people. And so when you try to help people that are broken, you're going to get hurt, which means that you've got to have a huge capacity to love them in spite of them. So I'm praying, God, man, fill this house with people who will do anything to fix broken people. And, and if we're going to do that, this is going to be a house that's full of love. But it's also going to be a house that's full of giving. And what do, I, what do you mean by that, TJ? That means that we're going to have to give of some things in our life. We're going to have to give of one of the most precious things we have, our time. It's going to require something of us. It's going to go, hey, you know what? I'm going to have to stop living my coddled, cozy life, and I'm going to have to give some of my time. I'm going to have to step out of my comfort zone and not just attend church, but serve at church, serve in some hours. I'm going to go out there and help some people, and it's going to cost me some of my time. It's also going to cost some of us some of our resources. And you're like, oh, no, not my money. Why, would, why does God need my money? Because God says in Malachi, tithe so that there may be food in my house. Well, why does God need food in his house? Because people are hungry. They're hungry for grace. They're hungry for mercy. They're hungry for love. They're hungry for compassion. And we need God's house to be full so we can give them everything they need to eat. And that costs something. Well, the love of God is free. Yeah, but the power bill isn't. Have you guys ever told FBL, well, Jesus loves me. It's, it's taken care of. That, <laughs> FBL don't care. So we got to love. See, they don't like it either. And they got to give. We also have to be inviters. And I know when we say, man, we got, you got to invite people. That's the hardest thing for some of you to do. But do you realize that you are quite possibly the answer to somebody else's prayer? That they've been going, God, show me a sign. Step into my life, do something, and all of a sudden, you step in, and you're the answer to that prayer. God needs a church. God needs a people that are willing to get out of their comfort zone because what we're doing is, is not about our comfort. It's about glorifying God and helping God be used by him use us to bring hope and healing to a broken world. And I'm praying that God would fill this house and he would fill it with people that would do anything to help broken people which means that it's going to inconvenience us like you are going to be if you're going to follow jesus it will inconvenience you think about this these servants he said listen here's what i want you to do i want you to go to the busiest intersection out there 
I want you to go find the busiest place where, there, where there's more people than anywhere else. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to invite them all. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you out of the corner. And you're going to go out there and you're going to go, hey, you, 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 you. We'll throw you, 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 you over there in the back corner. You, 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 you. Come, 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 come on. Come on, come on. I've got the greatest banquet of all time. I've got the greatest thing of all time. Do you think that was convenient? You think those people look weird? Guaranteed. But they understood that God's kingdom was supposed to be a banquet for his son. And so they knew if that banquet was to be filled, it was going to have to inconvenience them. And so what that means is we should be in Walmart this week and we should go, God, inconvenience me. Hey, when we're at our kids' soccer game, we should be like, God, inconvenience me at this moment. When we're at the spa getting our nails done, we should be like, God, inconvenience me at this moment. Why? Because it's not about my convenience, it's about his kingdom. And basically I'm praying that God would fill this house with people who would do anything and everything to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, know, and follow Jesus. And I'm praying that God would fill it to the brim. And, and here's what, I'm, what I mean by that. I'm praying that God would weed out every consumer. I'm, I'm, I'm praying that God would weed out uh, every spectator. I'm, I'm praying that God would, if, if you're here and you just want to sit back and look and never participate, every non-participator, I'm praying that he would weed you out and that he would leave what's behind, people that are broken and people that love people that are broken. And if you're on either side of that, man, I would tell you to get on one side. I don't, I don't really care what side. You can be broken or you can help people that are, are, are broken. But here's the deal. If you don't want to help people that are broken, you can go to the church of we don't help broken people right down the street. We need your seat. Because at this church, we're asking God to fill this house and fill this house with broken people. And God, do anything you want to do. Get me out of my normal routine because we're about reaching people. And so at this church, we want broken people. We want people that are broken and we want people that are doctors. Because listen, check this out. I'm an eight-month-old. So, uh, most of you in here are probably parents. If your child was sick and they were hurting and they were in desperate need of help, and you went to the hospital and you, you rolled up to the hospital and you walked into that hospital and you're like, man, my child's sick, my child's sick. And you see people all over the place that are wearing doctor's coats, that got stethoscopes, that have all the tools and all the instruments. And, and you see them all around and you walk up with, to one of them with your child in your hands and you're like, hey, help me, my child, there's something wrong with them. And they're like, oh, I, I'm sorry, I got to get to my golf game. Oh, that, that's not my job, that's somebody else's job. But isn't that what we do at church? I'm just being real. I, 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 you know, you can, you can be like, TJ, you're rude. No, 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 I'm real. If we have the hope of the world that has changed our life, why would we not be taking every opportunity to give that hope out? Like, how selfish is that? I know we live in a consumeristic society and mentality, but like we got to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Not only wreck ourselves, but wreck some other people that are looking for the very thing that we found. 
And so you know what, Coastal? We're not building a crowd here. We're building an army. An army of people that will do anything to make sure that one more person doesn't die and go to hell. That's what it's about. He gets it back there. Listen, as your pastor, I'm not waiting for something to happen. We're going to make something happen. Because we're going to go out to the busiest intersections and we're going to go, God, fill this house with the good, with the bad. God, fill this house with broken people and fill this house with doctors that want to help some broken people. And I'm praying for number three. Fill this house with your presence. About to go all super Christian on you and uh, throw some Christianese, which is basically church people talk that if you don't know anything about church, you won't understand. But you just trust me on this one. Listen, without God's presence, everything that we're doing right now is meaningless. It's God's power and his presence that changes and transforms everything. And with God's presence, nothing in life can remain the same. Here's what that means. When you step into God's presence, the things that are not like God begin to burn off of your life. You don't have to conjure up some emotion. You don't, wanna, you don't have to fake it till you make it because what God's presence does is it starts to sift right and wrong in your life. It brings conviction, not condemnation. There's a big difference. The condemnation comes from people. Conviction comes from God. And what happens is, is God starts speaking to you and he starts going, hey, listen, the way you're going, it, it's going to lead you down a path that is not my best for your life. And if you, if you would just start to recognize, if you would start to turn this way, all of a sudden, I'll direct you on a different path that will lead you to health and wholeness. And that isn't a condemning thing. That's actually a very freeing thing. And, and what God is saying is he's saying, hey, I want the best for your life, and I'm showing you the best way for your life. And it's when you step into that that supernaturally God starts doing something in your life. Because without God's presence here, this is just a motivational talk with some rock concert music and some, some five easy steps to make your life better. But we're not after that. We're after God's presence because in God's presence, things change. What God starts doing is he starts taking the things that are inside of us, the boxes that are in our life that are the hierarchy of what we find important and valuable, and he starts rearranging those things so that they're arranged in his order, in his way, in his transformation. So when you get in God's presence, the things that are broken all of a sudden begin to be healed. And I'm not trying to be all spooky and weird, but, but we believe that if we don't have God's presence, man, it's not worth going forward. Because the, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 says, For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. See, in God's presence, what that means is, is when we're in his presence, we can find freedom. The chains that have been binding us have to be broken. The shackles that have been keeping us back have got to be let loose. 
The addictions that have been holding on to us have got to be freed. The defeat that we've been experiencing, all of a sudden we can find victory in. And so my prayer is, is that God's presence would fill us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. But he would not only fill us individually, he'd fill this place. He'd fill this parking lot as people roll on. All of a sudden they start crying. They don't even know why. Because God's presence would start changing them. That as they encounter some, some people out there with big hands on their hands and they go like, that's weird. But they go, that's right. Like, I've never been welcomed so, like, a place, and that would be God's presence going before them. They'd meet God's presence in the lobby. They'd meet God's presence in our worship. They'd meet God's presence in this word. They'd meet God's presence everywhere they go, and it would start to transform them from the inside out. And here's the amazing thing about God's presence. God's presence, when it comes to brokenness, God's presence fills the gaps in our life. In fact, I put it on your notes like this. God is the gap filler. See, when there's a mess on the ground and there's a whole bunch of pieces, what we want to do a lot of times is is we want to take those pieces and we want to try to fix them ourselves and we'll grab some super glue and we'll put it in there and we'll think, oh, that, that looks good, but we see the cracks, we see the problems and we're like, we try to hide those aspects of our life, don't we? Like, I don't want to see anybody, I want anybody to see I'm struggling with my identity right now. I don't want anybody to see that I'm in financial ruin. I drive the nice thing, but I'm hiding behind that thing because I'm going to debt my eyeballs. I don't want people to see that I'm lonely and, and I'm searching for meaning and purpose in life. And so I'm going to hide it all by, in front of a facade. And God says, man, I want to I do something with your brokenness. I don't want you to stay broken. I don't want you to kind of sweep the pieces and throw them away and think that that's an aspect of your life that can never be whole and healed. In fact, one of the coolest things about God is that God can turn your brokenness into something beautiful. In fact, there's this art called kintsuki. It's a Japanese form of art where in Japan they take broken vessels, broken pots, and they found that when they put them back together... One of the ways that it will make the pot, not just a pot anymore, but actually a piece of art, a priceless piece of art, is they'll take the cracks and they'll fill it with precious metal. They'll fill it with gold. It looks like this. And they start filling the cracks with a precious metal saying, hey, listen, your brokenness is meant to be beautiful. The things that you want to hide, God actually wants to accentuate in your life. And he wants to fill with something that is so much greater than what you've been trying to fill it with. He wants to fill it with himself. And he says, hey, I want to take the the broken pieces of your life that you just feel like are a mess. And I want to actually turn it into a masterpiece. Something that is priceless, not worthless. And so many of us are trying to hide our brokenness and God is going, no, 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 I want to show your brokenness off because what's going to happen is as I start to put your life back together, people are going to walk in and they're going to see you and they're going to see your marriage and they're going to say, man, if God could do that for them, what could he do for my marriage? If God did that for her, what could he do for me? If God did that for him, what could he do for me? If God did that with their kids, what could he do with my kids? And God wants to take your mess and turn it into his masterpiece. 
And I'm praying that God would fill this house with a beautiful mess. The broken people could come in and God's presence and his power could put them back together again. And when they're put back together, that they would go out and find other pots and other vessels that are broken and say, hey, come in. I want you to see and experience what God did for me because what he did for me, he can do for you. And so I'm praying that God would fill this house. And maybe you're here today and your marriage is broke or your finances are broke or 